part 13, I think it was one or two months ago now, it seems like a lifetime ago, was conflict, comfort, and comprehension, okay? And as I always like to say, anything with comfort in the title, it's a good thing. You're on a winner, right? So tonight is steadfast soldiers of firm faith, or maybe steadfast soldiers of fortified faith. Okay, so that's our theme for this evening. I want to read um, this passage for you in two different translations. You can follow along in yours. Let me see if this clicker is working. Yes. Okay, so this is is chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge, sorry, this is the, this is the start of the chapter. I've confused you, haven't I? Haven't I? Sorry, this is, um, this is verses one, two, three, okay? Uh, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, this is another version. I want you to know how hard I work for you, for the people of Laodicea, and for people I have never met. Because they are united in love, I work so that they may be encouraged by all the riches that come from a complete understanding in Christ. He is the mystery of God. God has hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Okay, so Paul, in this opening passage of chapter 2, which we've already looked at, he explains to his brothers and sisters in Colossa that he is hard at work for them. Okay, he's working hard. He's putting in the hours. He has a great conflict for each of them and also for the church that's down the road, about 10 miles down the road at Laodicea. Now, Paul tells us that these brothers and sisters, he has never seen them face to face, okay? He's never met them in person, but Paul loves them and he wants to encourage them by writing this letter. His desire is that the hearts of those in Colossa, of those in Laodicea, are built up, firstly. Secondly, united in love. Okay, he uses the words knit together, knit together in love. And Paul tells them this truth so that they may all be encouraged by all the riches that come from a full and complete understanding of Jesus Christ. Okay, and we all have that. We have that full and complete understanding, church, and we are rich. Aren't we rich knowing that? And this Jesus Christ that Paul often speaks of here is the very mystery of God. He uses that phrase much in his letter. His desire is that they attain to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of this mystery of God. What is this mystery of God that Paul talks about? It's the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. That's the mystery. Now, please keep this passage in mind as we move into the next part of Paul's letter, written with love and with grace to the saints there in Colossae. In order to help us understand and fully grasp the intent of Paul's words, it's vital, as always, as, as Alan shared this morning, that we understand the greater context of chapter 2 and of the entire letter. Look, I've shared much about the context of Colossians in the past 13 um, studies. And here in Colossians 2, Paul is primarily concerned with false teaching. Okay, that is the, concern, that is the context, false teaching, as is most of this letter. And in verses 1 to 15 of chapter 2, Paul is specifically concerned with the philosophy of false teaching and its false teachers. Paul writes these words in this passage. He writes them in direct opposition to the many errors that are a danger to those in the body of Christ at this specific time in Colossae. 
This is a warning from Paul. It's, a, it's kind of a safeguard. It's a call from Paul to the church to be very careful. And in the verses we will look at this evening in depth, Paul and Timothy together, they write to the believers to exhort them to continue in the faith and truth they have received, praising them for their, firstly for their good order and secondly for their steadfastness in Jesus Christ. Let's read the words of Paul and Timothy together. This is verses four to seven if you want to follow along. My apologies about earlier. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Amen. Verse 4 in the New Living Translation reads like this. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments, okay? That's the message that Paul's trying to get across. Here we see and hear Paul's heart in this matter, church. Paul wants to safeguard, he wants to protect every believer there in Colossae and in Laodicea from what he calls well-crafted arguments which could lead to their deception. This is a warning, church. Well-crafted arguments, persuasive words, fine-sounding reasoning. These are the words that various translators use to get across what Paul originally penned. And in actual fact, the Greek word order, it doesn't make much sense to us, but this is the way it reads in the Greek. That thing, but to lay forth an order that not even one not, lest some of you misreckon in persuasive language. You know, the old King James, which I know many of you are using, has the old word beguile, okay? The word beguile. Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words lest any man should delude or deceive or beguile you. This is to reckon wrong, to cheat, to deceive by false reasoning or to circumvent. Church, do we get the picture of what Paul is saying here? Do we understand what Paul is trying to say to the Colossians? He's saying, believers, saints of God, be on your guard. Be watchful, be alert, be careful. There are those who will try to come in and deceive and delude you with fine-sounding and persuasive words, words designed and delivered to lead you into error and to lead you astray. That's what these false teachers, these philosophers, these pagans were trying to do. But church, if you know the truth, if you know who you are, if you know whose you are, and if you know all that God has done for you in Christ, you will not so easily be led astray. Stand firm in who you are and in whose you are. Hear the truth, know the truth, live the truth, walk in the truth, and you will not be deluded and deceived by these fine-sounding, well-crafted arguments. More on this a little later, but for now, let's move into chapter five. Paul tells the believers that even though he is not with them in body, in the flesh, he is with them in spirit, and that he is rejoicing to see the, what he calls the good order they have and their steadfastness of faith in Jesus Christ. I love the way that New Living has this. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. Church, when I was in France for a week, my heart was broken being away from you. Honestly, I cried every day. It was awful. It was awful. I wanted, I just, I wanted to be with you all so much. That is what Paul, that's what Paul is saying. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. Isn't that beautiful, church? 
That's how much Paul loved the saints there in Colossae. I'm far away from you, my brothers and sisters, but my heart is with you. I am with you in spirit. And I'm rejoicing, Paul says. I'm celebrating. I'm happy at the order you are keeping and the steadfastness of your faith in Jesus Christ. One other translation has it like this. This is simple. I am happy to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Jesus Christ is. Now, the word here that we have as orderly is the word taxis. Now, it's not taxis, all right? We're not talking about shankle taxis here. Taxis, okay, it's Greek. It's a Greek word. And it means regular arrangement, succession or rank or character or official dignity. Look, I must admit, it's not the easiest words of the, uh, not the easiest of Greek words to translate. And maybe good order and orderly are not the best choice. Another translation has it like this. Look, church, this makes it so, you can't miss it. I rejoice that you are living as you should. I rejoice that you are living as you should. Should being the important word there. Church, what you know about Christ, what you believe about Jesus Christ, should impact the way you live. It should. And if it's not, you've missed the message. Having the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, having the knowledge and the experience of what he has done for you should impact the way you live. When you know who you are, when you know whose you are, it should affect the way you live. It should affect how you live and why you live. The Colossians were being commended for living as they should because they understood the truth of the mystery of God in Jesus Christ, their Savior and their Redeemer. That God manifest in the flesh, the fullness of the divine spirit, the Godhead in bodily form, dwelling in the very Son of God. Church, the Colossians heard it. They heard it from Epaphras. They believed it. They took it to their hearts and they lived like it. They were hearers and doers of the word. And this brought the Apostle Paul and his young friend Timothy so much joy. We've just read it. And you know what? I believe that it brings joy to the heart of God when we know the truth, yes, but when we live like it. When we live like we know it. It wasn't just the good order of the Colossians that brought brought Paul this much-needed joy while he was there in prison. It was also the steadfastness of their faith in Christ. Another translation has it like that, sorry. How firm your faith is in Jesus Christ. How firm. Both of these wonderful things brought the apostle who loved these saints so much joy and happiness. Firm. Stereoma. Something that is established. It's confirmation, church. It's stability. It's that which has been made firm. I love this. It's a fortified place. A fortified place. It's something on which another thing rests firmly. It's a support. You know, interestingly, both of these words, which we have just looked at, are both military words. Okay, they're both military words. Paul was, in fact, by using these words, speaking metaphorically about the believers there in Colossae as what? As an army. As an army. The church at Colossae was like an army under attack, not physically, but in terms of truth. And Paul makes it clear, the lines are not yet broken. Is there a danger that they might break? Yes, of course, but not if the church continues to do what it is doing. 
The discipleship is intact and the faith of the believers is strong. It is standing firm and it is established. Church in Colossa, there is good order amongst the ranks. If I can use military terminology, there's good order among the ranks. The soldiers are living as they should in light of the truth that they've learned and that has been given to them. They are living in the truth and living out the truth. The lines have not yet been broken. The walls have not yet been breached. Their faith church is a fortified place. It's a fortified faith. I wonder, can we say the same about our faith? Honestly, can you sit there tonight and say about your own faith that it's a fortified place? Is your faith like a fortress? Is it? Is it strong? Is it impenetrable? Or is your faith weak? With weakness, with weak points in its walls? Will your faith withstand all that will come against it? Well, look, my prayer for you is that it can and that it will. You know, firm faith is what we all need. And it's faith in Jesus Christ alone. But Paul, even with this firm faith, he still thinks it necessary to warn them concerning the enticing words and fine-sounding reasoning that will come as an attack on the truth. Church, honestly, I hope and I pray that Paul would be rejoicing for us here at Glenmachan as he did for the Ecclesia in Colossae many years ago. What would Paul see if he looked at us today? Could he rejoice? Would he be pleased? Would Paul honestly be happy? Are we here at Glenmachan, are we in good order? Are we living as we should in the light of the truth that has been revealed to us? Are we the body of Christ here at Glenmachan? Are we standing firm upon our faith? Are we established? Is our faith united and strong in Jesus Christ? I pray that the answer is yes. What would Paul say about us? I hope that he could say the same for us that he said about the Colossian believers. But if not, church, then we have work to do. We have work to do. You know, maybe we won't face the same issues as the Colossians did. It's highly unlikely. It's a different time. I get that. There's different issues. I get that. You know what? But we are still part of that metaphorical army that Paul spoke of. And the church will always be under attack from someone or something. But we're to be strong soldiers in Jesus Christ, fighting the good fight, involved in that spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God. You all know what Ephesians 6, defending our faith, defending, standing up for our beliefs, standing up for the word of God against those who would try and take it from us. You know, church, it won't be, well, it, it, it might not be fine-sounding philosophy. It might not be enticing words of reason. But believe me, it will be something. It will always be something. And it will come. It's coming now. At some time, in some way, and we need to have our lines, our ranks in good order, our faith firm, fortified, and established in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Amen. Say amen. Are you all sleeping tonight? Too warm for you? Fan you all? Our loyalty and trust must be fully in him, church, in who he is, amen. in what he has done, in his promises, because they're forever yes and amen good order, living as we should, and the steadfastness or the firmness of faith. Two things that are very much needed in the church in these last days. Church, 
Let's be that fellowship. Let's be that community. Let's be that family. Let's strengthen our lines. Let's strengthen our resolve to put our full confidence and faith in God and in our Savior. Are you with me, church? Good. I hope so. Now, Paul continues with the same theme as we move into verses 6 and 7. Can we read them together? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is the passage we will study as we come to a close tonight. Here's verse 6 in a few other translations, just quickly. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live as Christ's people. You have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, now keep on following him. Church, I don't even have to comment on this verse. You all get it, don't you? Keep following him. The Greek here literally reads, to receive near the anointed Jesus the Lord, to tread it all around. I love that, to tread it all around. It is the word peripateo, to walk, to tread. It means to make one's way, to progress, to make use of the opportunities that are given to you. It carries the sense of regulating your life, personal conduct, and walking at large. It is to live, to follow, and listen to this, to be occupied with. What else is better than being occupied with the Lord? This is literally what Paul said to the believers in Colossae. You have received Jesus, the anointed one, and you have accepted Christ, the Messiah. Now, here's what you've got to do. Continue to live as the people of God. Keep on following him. Become a disciple of the Lord that you have come to know. Make your way with the Lord. Walk at large with the Lord. Make use of the opportunity that God gives you. Be occupied with the things of God in his service. Amen. That's what we're all called to do. Regulate your life around Jesus. If you want something good to, put, to base your life around, use Jesus. Make him part of your routine. Make him the very center and the very focus of your day and of your life. And church, consider your conduct as you live for him, as you follow him, as you occupy your thoughts, your actions, your words, and your deeds with him. What does Paul say? So walk in him. So walk in him. Church, You've received him, go and walk in him. Well, Paul, how do we do that? How can we make sure that we don't drift away? How can we make sure that we aren't led astray by any of this heresy and false teaching that you warn us about? Well, Paul tells them, he tells the Colossians to do four things. Be rooted in Christ, be built up in Christ, be established in the faith that you have in Christ, and be thankful and grateful for the knowledge of Christ. Firstly, rooted and built up in him. This word rooted, it comes from a root word. See what it did there? Oh, come on. It's a root, it comes from a root word simply meaning to root. All right? A root word meaning to root, to become stable, to strengthen, to fix, to render firm, to establish, and to be thoroughly grounded. What about being built up? This word literally means to build upon or to rear up, to build up. You know, here we see Paul using this strange double metaphor. 
first of a tree, okay? The metaphor of a tree and then the metaphor of a building, which aren't related really in any way. But here Paul feels that they both fit with what he's trying to say to the Colossian believers. This double metaphor, yes, you've received Jesus Christ, now you are to live in and for him. You're to follow him as your disciples, you're to tread him all around, walk in him. How, Paul? Be rooted, deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. There's the tree. Be strengthened by having your roots deep, deep down in Jesus Christ. And then stand firm, fixed. Be established by having your roots, your roots sorry, go deep into Jesus Christ because I want you all to be thoroughly grounded, unmovable, unshakable, fixed, firm, with that sure foundation in Christ. I want your roots to be like that of a great tree. Church, there's trees all over this site. Think about the roots of some of these trees. They could go for miles. You wouldn't know, but those trees are rooted deep into the ground, and that's the way we are to be in Christ, spread far and wide. And there in Christ you will find a sure and steadfast foundation. You know, where does a tree get all its nutrients from and its sustenance from its roots? And if we have our roots deep in Christ, we will get all we need, church. You will get all you need. Be rooted in him, but not only rooted, be built up in him. Church, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only thing worth building your life upon. He's the only one worth building your life upon. He's the only strong and sure foundation. Why? Because he's the cornerstone. He's the solid rock on which you can build your life. Don't try to build on anything else, church, because you know what? It won't last. Don't try to rear your life on anyone else but Jesus Christ. Be rooted and be built up in him. One goes down the way. One goes up the way. He wants your roots deep, but he wants you built up in him, okay? Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Plant your roots in Christ and let him be the foundation of your life. Did you hear that, church? We all need to have our roots deep down into him and we all need to make sure he is the foundation of our lives. Paul has a few more things to say. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Paul continues here with the same theme. Rooted in him, built up in him, and now established in the faith as you have been taught. What is it to be established? Now, I don't know if this is a real word or not. I think it is to stabilitate, okay? To stability, is it? Mom, is it? Yeah, stable. Okay, well, maybe I made it up. (laughs) To establish, to confirm, and to make sure. Look, can you see the same thing being carried throughout this passage, church? It's the same. Paul's giving them the message again. Firm, fixed, rooted, built, reared, and now established. Stable, confirmed, sure. In what? In what, Paul? In the faith as you were taught. Look, cast your mind back many months ago when we started this study. We talked about a man called Epaphras. Look, Epaphras, his name's probably mentioned once in the Bible, but Epaphras was the man that brought the good news to Colossa. He had an important job. He was the one, he's the reason that this church now stood in Colossa. 
He was a faithful minister of Christ. He very simply, in love and peace, brought the word of truth of the gospel and the grace of God and truth to the people right there in Colossa. Here's, um, here's the passage that speaks of him. Sorry. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. And then you can see Epaphras' name mentioned. Further down, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Epaphras brought the word of truth and the word of the good news to the people in Colossae. And this is the faith that Paul is speaking of. This is the faith that Paul is making reference to here. It is the word of truth of the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what Epaphras brought. Epaphras had brought to the people of Colossia the, the message of redemption, of renewal, and the message of regeneration. He had given them the truth concerning Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. He had brought hope to a hopeless people. He had brought light to a place that was in darkness. Epaphras had brought to them the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And now Paul was exhorting them, you have heard the truth. Church, you know the truth. You've received the truth. And now it is time to be established in this faith. Now is the time for stability. Now is the time for your faith to be established. Now is the time to make sure of the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to abound in it with all joy. Hear Paul there. I want you to abound in it with all joy. I want you to abound in it in thanksgiving and in gratitude. Look, let, can, I, can I just close by, let's just read the passage one more time, okay, together. That we've looked at tonight. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Amen. Let your roots go down deep into him as deep as they can go, church. And let your lives be built on him. There's no foundation as sure and as steadfast. Then, there's more. Your faith, your trust, and your loyalty to Jesus Christ will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And then, church, you'll overflow with thankfulness. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. With gratitude. Do you all wake up there? Oh, oh, oh. He's still speaking. He's Should be finished by now. With gratitude and with praise. Yes, are we all thankful? Are we all grateful what the Lord has done? Amen. Church, look, I think this is, this is simple tonight. Maybe I'm just making it difficult, I don't know. I believe that God desires all of us to be steadfast soldiers. That was the theme, steadfast soldiers. And I believe that he wants us all to stand firm in our faith to stand firm. Why? 
so that we can stand against anything that comes our way. Any false teaching, any heresy, any issues, any problems, any situations, so that we can stand firm in our faith. So that we won't be led astray by some newfangled, strange-sounding doctrines. And church, there's a lot of nonsense going about. There's a lot of nonsense being taught. There's a lot of things going about. I wouldn't even know where to start. Maybe sometimes I'll, sometime I'll, I'll let you know some half the stuff that's going on. It's nonsense. We need to stand firm in our faith so that we can defend the truth of what? Of our Bibles? Because it's under attack, church. We need to stand firm and defend God's word when it's questions, when it's questioned and when it's brought into disrepute. I believe that God wants every single one of us to have our roots planted deeply in Jesus Christ. Our roots planted deeply. Down the way, as far as they can go. But then he wants us to build our lives up on him. Down and up. On a solid and a sure foundation. On the cornerstone. And he wants us to be established in our faith. Abounding. Overflowing. With all joy. Gratitude. Thanksgiving. Church. We're called to be steadfast soldiers who stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ. Look, if Paul were to write to us tonight, I wonder would he be able to write what he wrote all these years ago to Colossae? Would he be able to say these words? I rejoice to see that you are living as you should and how firm your faith in Christ has become. Church, I hope that he could. And if he couldn't, then we've worked to do. Let's continue to fight the good fight of faith. Amen.